0: Hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl, it's Emma. Today is Tuesday, February 14th, 2022. Um, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful day just whatever taking the opportunity to celebrate a special day um in whatever ways is uh meaningful to you (laughs) I'm like always on the lookout for an opportunity to make a day feel like a special day yeah I actually took the day off just to um just to mark the whole thing anyways um So I also wanted to say just like, uh, I know I say thank you like almost every episode, but I'm feeling like especially grateful right now for the connections that I have made um, like through this project so far. Everything from like DMs to meeting people in person to just like uh, reconnecting with people in my life who for whatever reasons now we realize where we have some similar interests and um, opinions about the world. And um, it's just, been extremely gratifying. So thank you. So <laughs> happy Valentine's Day to you all. Um, Okay, so this is the first episode that I'm doing that doesn't center on a single girl. Um, and, um, and I don't know, I was just kind of feeling the call to drop in and um, to talk about some of the themes that feel like they've kind of um, been unresolved in the past episodes and not to say that this is um like the final word on any of these themes obviously that's like the beauty of uh like an episodic program (laughs) but um yeah it feels like there's some things that are converging that I had some clarity around um and that I've had like amazing conversations with some of you all whether dms or in person or whatever that I just wanted to kind of tie up and uh yeah (laughs) make it a special valentine's day thing Couple of random little news items. Um, number one, Tinks is writing a book. So she announced this last week, um, and it's going to come out in May. Simon and Schuster's publishing it. It's called *The Shift: A Guide to Dating, Self-Worth, and Becoming the Main Character in Your Own Life*. And then there's like an additional subtitle that says, "Change Your Perspective, Not Yourself." So the title, like obviously, has like a kind of self-helpy um vibe to it and so I mean we know that Tinks has always been very interested in self-help as a genre and she loves memoir. she talks about this a lot like you know her idols are like Chelsea Handler um like obviously Gwyneth like um who else does she talk about their books being like life-changing she has a podcast episode about like the five books that changed my life and they're all memoir self-help um so it makes sense that she is um working in this space and I guess just her whole her universe of like her offering is ultimately self-help um right so I feel like I've talked about a couple times like tanks being kind of a prime example of um someone who their offering is kind of like unclear like what the real utility is in terms of the medium that she's giving to us it's kind of unclear right you know it's not like she is a writer or it's not like she is even just an influencer like I guess influencer is kind of the the best catch-all you know that in itself is an evolving term that we um, allow to kind of just ebb and flow as what it means to be an influencer changes right so it's not as um, I don't know cut and dry as like actress or poet or whatever um, because yeah the the product of an influencer has always been um, kind of borderless if you will um, anyways I don't remember what my point was with bringing up all of that um, oh, oh oh, I know that like so I've, I've touched on before that like her her offering is vague because her medium is vague her genre is vague like the the umbrella term of influencer is vague but I think maybe for me, seeing her blurb about her book, I was like, oh, what Tings is really offering us is self-help. You know, self-help is typically in the format of a book or lectures, I guess we would say. So whether that's like TED Talk or like a Bre- Brene Brown kind of just like traveling lecturer or a podcast that's like, like Gabby Bernstein or something like that. I mean, obviously, Gabby has books as well. But um, yeah, I think Tink's um, just being like a generation younger than many of the women who have um, fleshed out the space of self-help. Tink's just had additional um, channels at her disposal. But I think it's all kind of calcifying in my brain now that like Tink's is will be like remembered as a self-help guru or something. So anyways, um, okay, cool. That's all on that. Yeah. I would really like to write a review of it. So I'm hoping I can, I can procure that for myself. So, um, yeah, if any of, if any of you think of like the best venue for that to live or people who, um, might be into a review, I would write, (laughs) let me know. Um, okay. Oh, well, I guess I was going to say that like, uh, I'm I'm proud of myself for the extremely good timing of the of the Cammie episode um, because I published it like right at the time where she was taking this different turn with her self-presentation where she's very um, explicitly like uh, promoting herself versus before it was always kind of like this thin veneer of like promoting the brand or promoting other like social causes around it and so I talked about that in her episode where like um, this is kind of a a common thing we see in ventures of all time, whether art or a brand or whatever, um, that like, you know, at, at first in order to be kind of, um, palatable to the public, um, they have to present it as, you know, uh, like there's a cause beyond themselves, but then at a certain point it becomes, um, acceptable to kind of, uh, you know, lose that alibi and just, uh, promote yourself. And I don't think that's bad at all. I, what I think what I said in the episode is like, I wish we just like never had to do the front of the of the the brand or the social cause or whatever and you could just be like I don't know you just do your thing so yeah she has really like gone off not only in just promoting herself more but just like um explicitly sexualizing herself more which was something that we really didn't see for a long time so um I guess like you know that's kind of uh obvious that like like women who are very self-aware and who are promoting um, their ideas like unless their ideas are directly related to their own sexuality they kind of like keep that part covered up until they've kind of earned earned the quote unquote right I'm doing air quotes to sexualize themselves right so we talked about and it comes as a shock to the public once they kind of you know drop that um, drop that modesty um, so we talked about that like with Tinks when she like first back in the fall like posted her like hot photos and then like we're seeing this with um, Cammy now you know where she's just like yeah as I said posting herself in much more like explicitly sexual situations poses like eye contact etc I think it's just interesting like sometimes when we see someone like first sexualize themselves it's met with like oh like go girl like you know what I mean like hell yeah and then other times it's like oh so annoying right and so um and, and I think that we see that like interpersonally too, right? There's like girls that within our friend groups that when like they step out for a night out and they have like big hair, big makeup, like lots of skin, whatever, we're like eye roll, like ugh, so annoying. And then there's other girls who, when they do that, we're like, okay, like blah, 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 you know? So it's, uh, there's a lot of things going on there. <laughs> so um, anyways, that's what I was going to talk about. But um, then today, just today, there was this really weird article in Women's Wear Daily with some weird quotes from Kami that I wanted to share. Okay, so where is that? remember when I said last week that there was something always very omniscient and insidious about um about parade anyways whatever this reporter from women's wear daily asked cammy what what's like next for them um and she says world domination so uh world domination by definition is omniscient and insidious so there we go (laughs) full circle um okay I think that's all that I had to say about parade I mean I hope so I guess like the point of all of this is for me to express myself and um, relieve myself of the <laughs> of the inner turmoil, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay, so the next thing is I want to follow up about the Super Bowl and um, because I had made reference to it in the last episode, um, I will say like this is one of those pop Culture moments that's actually like so massive and so diluted that it's like you know it's very difficult to craft interesting analysis out of it. I find myself really like grasping to try to turn it into a metaphor or a reflection of like things that I'm seeing. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't have like too much to say, um, but. I guess, like, okay, well, first of all, congratulations to Rihanna for um, being pregnant. That's awesome. And um, I guess I, like, I echo the the camp that was, like, oh, it wasn't, like, a very good performance. And I'm not saying, like, oh, she should have done something better because she's pregnant or, like, whatever. That part isn't interesting. But, like, this wasn't a performance that was uh, meaningful to me. Um, that doesn't really change my opinion of her or make or break the case for her being a star girl if that's (laughs) something that's on the table um but yeah whatever i'll throw my hat in that ring um yeah and then i guess there's all this like stuff about her not getting paid for the super bowl super bowl which i think is like de rigueur right but um i guess like kind of a crude comparison being drawn with like the you know whatever 20 plus million dollars that um beyonce was paid to perform in Dubai, like with this. Anyways, okay, but but I just wanted more so than like talking about the Super Bowl. I wanted to just revisit the Beyonce Rihanna conversation that we were having last week because it felt very baggy to me. And again, them both being like like the level of the level of star that they are, and um, like the fact that there's kind of just like infinite existing takes like makes it both difficult and not that interesting to like try to come up with something compelling to (laughs) to say about them um there are some points about Beyonce and Rihanna like uh not that they're even versus each other but like you know to take them as two examples that we can compare um there's some stuff within that that I think is useful to the like larger like build out of the definition and world of a star girl um that whatever we can talk through. So one thing is, um, and we've talked about this before, but not for a while, is um, the idea of category leaders, which is an element of my definition of a star girl. So it has to be something that is the best of a particular genre. They're the leader in their category. And there's just an inherent importance to having category leaders and to recognizing them um one there's importance and importance of making those category leaders good at every single rung of culture so that by the time we get to the Beyonce's and the Rihanna's of the world that's really good right so it's like there's a there's a duty for everybody to um kind of just be as good as they can and only like retweet I'm saying that like metaphorically people whose shit is actually really good. There's, I guess there's just, like, a duty to not be, like, passive and lazy consumers because, like, this is, like, this is our world that we are building and we want it to be in as intact and fucking awesome as possible. And so we need the category leaders at every level. And, like, the standout in our weird little scene, they have to be really good. Whoever is the, like, queen of New York, she has to be really good. Whoever is the blah, 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 right? And so then when we get to international pop superstar, it's really fucking good. Um, so... Anyways, that's that's one thing, right? Like we don't want to see this all like crumbling down before us and it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm giving like grifter vibes, but it's like, you know, this is a call to action. <laughs> um, the other thing under the category leader point is just that how important it is to have leaders as an organizing principle, right? This having a girl at the top of their Category again at whatever tier of culture they're operating at really gives order to the rest of the world, right? I talked about this, I think, with the Gia Tolentino about like how important it is to have a clear standout to organize the rest of people doing things, right? You know, obviously there's a layer of subjectivity to this. Like not everybody is going to consider that at a time Gia Tolentino was the main millennial culture writer. Or maybe not everyone would think that she was the best, the most poignant, whatever. Like obviously people didn't all think that, but she was the highest visibility for that category right and so um, that I think is really useful because you know that gives everything else something to either react against or try to become better than or you know there's this kind of um, passing of the torch that is very I think I don't know. I actually just think it's really internally useful um, for like watching culture progress. So um, I just wanted to call that out. And then also I just think it's like hierarchy can actually be really good and like, you know, arguably it's essential to our understanding of like where the chips are falling and who has power and who is rising in power and who is fading out in power and blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, And just as like styles and tastes change like over years and generationally etc so um anyways I think that Beyonce and Rihanna are both absolutely category leaders in terms of pop music American pop music that then you know became like global sensation or whatever I'm like (laughs) that sounds like really stupid but um what I the point I was trying to make in the last episode is that it's significant that they've kind of been at this level for so long and that we haven't really seen that passing of the torch um with you know, that kind of international superstar. I think, like, maybe Rosalia is the closest, um, in terms of just, like, kind of global adoration and kind of legibility, um, but, or, like, K-pop as well, right? Probably Blackpink, um, and actually, maybe, yeah, maybe that is probably, I would, anyways, I'm curious what you guys think about that, um, like, Maybe Doja Cat as well. I don't know. Maybe like it doesn't feel like the torch has like fully passed with any of those three examples Um, and there may be some that I'm missing. So anyways, would love, would love to hear. But um, yeah, is anyone... Kind of replacing them yet, or do or, you know, are we still kind of going through the ranks searching for the next, um, that level of, of pop star? Um, okay, this, um, brings me to my next point, which is, um, the concept of, uh, well, okay, this is not a concept, <laughs> this is not like, <laughs> this is not like really theory, this is just a, a thing. Um, but um, when I think of people like Beyonce or Rihanna, um, I think of like a big reign, right? Reign, like like a monarch. R e i g n, reign. Rain. Um, so um, a star girl can reign for any amount of time. Some girls have a really short time in the spotlight, and some of them have it really have a much longer one, right? And so, um, you know, and then I think that the the critical thing is that it doesn't last forever. It's separate from in icon though many star girls can like become remembered as icons right um because it's not this like perennial person for us um it's something that like you know made a splash and maybe that lasted for a really long time and they had the ability to like remain bold and um generative of conversation and interesting and um could um i guess continue to like stand up to the demands of stardom for a long time, or maybe they only did that for a couple of years. Um, to me, it doesn't really matter. It's just about standing out for a moment in time and representing, again, this dream threat space um, for a period of time. So Rihanna, Beyonce, those are both, like, big reign types of people. Um, we, like, I don't who have we talked about that's, like, a much shorter reign. Um, but, yeah, Gia... Um, I mean Audrey Gelman ultimately pretty short reign um, yeah anyways that's that's possible um, okay and then I also kind of just wanted to well I multiple people asked me within the past week like if Rihanna is a star girl um, and I like had originally thought of her and Beyonce both as star girls because they're very like I guess because of the like the category leaderness of both of them and they both absolutely are people who stood out among their peers during their rises in the like you know early 2000s right it was both like oh no this is who the studio's money is on to become the next big thing um so in that way like obviously they are but i guess i'm wondering what you guys think about like is there a threat latent in either of them and um you know we talked about like they're both maybe like have achieved icon status they're very universally beloved they're kind of like the best in a lot of ways but those three things are different than being a star girl right um and so I was just thinking about like if we're actually gonna put them in the running with with other star girls like they kind of there needs to be a threat at play in both of them that's beyond just them being threatening because they're the best and they're like rich and powerful right like you know they have to present more of a interior psychological threat um So, yeah, I think, like, the really easy answer would be, like, you know, to, like, white America or conservative America that they are either – they're just either, like, too black or too sexualized. But I think that that's a pretty lazy take because, like, culturally speaking, it's not like white conservative America has the hold over, like – pop culture right so they're not really being transgressive in that way but you know maybe at the time when they were first coming up that could be true um but anyways I was gonna say that like I think I was able to find more latent threats in Beyonce than in Rihanna because I think Rihanna kind of presents this more like um, I guess she just doesn't seem to like embody like eliteness in the same way that Beyonce does. Um, so I guess for a couple of reasons. One, I think that I have heard a lot over the years about like uh, Beyonce feeling like a traitor to Black America in a lot of ways. Also, I brought this up last time, but like I think she gets really associated with Obama era um, pop culture, which makes sense because that was like maybe at the at the height of her. Um, like prowess so that critique is not only concerned with like a present political and aesthetic distaste of that time but also a um like a feeling that she belongs to this you know uh stakesless elite that was at one time like told to us to be like more on the ground or something right so which, which is just like basically the like critique of obama right that they were like okay basically the critique of Obama Jesus that's like so like I'm like dumbing myself down so much but um I don't know if that makes sense so anyways this is what I said before that like there I feel like there's this idea that Beyonce embodies in eliteness in a different way than Rihanna right there's like always this feeling that Rihanna is still for the people which I think makes her more likable relatable less threatening and therefore perhaps less of a star girl so um yeah i think that i will just like open that up to you guys i would be really curious what what you think um i guess it's interesting also to look at the men that they're aligned with right so like obviously jay-z has had a hard fall (laughs) in the past several years but at a time they were like definitely regarded as a power couple i have never seen rihanna and asap rocky as a power couple like even though obviously they both are like very successful like um someone just dm'd me yesterday actually and was ta- we were talking about this and she was saying like there's something weird about her being with him and i was like i 100 agree i've always felt like something is just not quite adding up and like there was a while like a couple years ago where i was always like oh like asap is rihanna's tell like that's the like uh the tell that she's not as like confident or like as she portrays herself to be or something which like that is kind of mean i don't even know what i was getting at with that but there was something that just felt like you know he wasn't as like powerful as a like that their power wasn't matched or something so <laughs> it's like I hope that they just, like, actually are, like, connected and uh, equally, like, respectful of the other. But there was, I don't know, there was just an element of, like, her being culturally, uh, like, bigger than him. And I don't know, it was just, it just always felt like a weird pairing or something. So anyways, uh, that's that. The other thing I was gonna say about Rihanna is that, like, Maybe it's just that she's been around for so long and like she is so kind of grounded in her vibe. Like she hasn't gone through a ton of eras, really, you know? Um, Like I'm thinking of like the Met Gala 2015, you know, when she was in that like big, like yellow cape. You guys know that look Um, like that is still kind of the like root of her vibe now where it's this very like regal grounded, like, you know, like I'm here kind of thing. This kind of bow down energy that is so true to her persona or kind of like, you know, been relatively unchanged over like, well, you know, let's say 10 years or something. I'm not seeing her as like boundary pushing um, uh, in terms of like what she is like asserting about femininity and stardom, you know, she did that ten years ago, and then it was just always the same. And that's ultimately like speaks really highly of her because it seems like oh, she has like she has a principle and she has a vision, like she has a point of view that she has remained committed to, invested in, and able to um, like we buy it basically, <laughs> um, for for so long. But I think that the downstream effect of that has like gotten really diluted and has like led to like bad not bad as in like evil but like annoying kind of uh articles of style (laughs) um among women so like you know Rihanna is bad gal Riri right like that has been her handle since like Instagram started right and I think like at that time bad bitchness was very like you know that was still kind of subversive in culture not subversive that's probably too strong but that was like kind of intense right like um it wasn't like every girl was identifying as a bad bitch in 2012 right but now like that's not there's no tension in that affect anymore and so you know I guess what i'm trying to say is like there's an argument to be made that like rihanna invented not invented but like asserted that affect and that was amazing and there was a lot of like tension and texture in that uh, original assertion but the downstream effect is is like created this generation of girls who believed themselves to be bad bitches or that bad bitch was like the the character of confidence that girls were taught to embody when they're like you know dump him like like I'm feeling myself tonight like whatever like that the the posture was bad bitch you know and so obviously in this one it's a super diluted term and it also just created this like sass and just annoyingness it tethered like sass and in, and in, in that kind of annoying like whatever, into baked that into a particular posture of femininity and just, like, just kind of gave this easy cover for insecurity because you could kind of just, like, click up into this gear of, like, bravado and adopt this false confidence and be, like, get, like, you know, get on your knees energy, which I think just – maybe it's just, like, overwrought and, and, like, yeah. So – Anyways, those were my musings about Rihanna for the week, so. (laughs) Okay, um, okay, so the next thing I would like to do is run through a list of girls who have uh who people have messaged me asking about in the past you know over the past couple weeks or whatever um and these are all people who uh others have felt like are like right on this line of like well she seems like a star girl but like is she or not and it's like obviously I'm not I'm not trying to say like oh here you've submitted your ballots and now I'm gonna like say yes no yes no but it's like we can just do like many conversations about each of them um which might just be fun (laughs) and I guess I'm amazed at the people that get like sent to me are there's so much overlap in who people like think ride this line or like just want to hear about so I think that um anyways that's what I'm thinking about okay so number one charlie xcx she's someone that I've brought up before and who I've categorically said is not a star girl and I think that um the for a number of reasons I don't think she's the best at her genre I think uh, also, I don't think she really knows who she is. I think that's maybe the biggest part. I think, like, uh, as opposed to, at the extreme end, someone like Rihanna, who has really had a concrete perspective um or in their like you know whatever they're putting out into the world both like the you know the actual concrete product that they're giving us the posture that they're presenting the way they interact with um like media and other stars and just like everything that we see of their persona i think she is like it it feels kind of brittle to me in this way like that's not to say fake but i think it's like she feels very like um like she gets knocked around a lot and like she kind of has that i think i've said this before the looking around vibe that is just kind of like, what's cool? What's cool? Like, maybe I could ride for this team. Maybe I could ride for this team. You know what I mean? It's kind of just like, you know, so that's not giving Stargirl to me. And the other thing that this um this girl said to me yesterday was that she has an air of desperation to her, and I absolutely agree with that. And I think um that th- that can kind of make it or break it with girls going forward is like, do they ha- do are we feeling their desperation? So like obviously, feeling desperate for love, for attention, for community, for whatever is like very normal. And I'm not trying to pathologize that um like, emotion or, like, experience. But I think the, the point is whether or not we as the public feel that desperation, right? And so I think about, like, with Addison, like, about a year ago, before she had kind of, like, regrounded herself and gone full throttle ahead with just, like, more out there photo shoots and kind of like reproved her talent to us we were really feeling her desperation right she got like really hyper sexualized she was trying to be like edgy in all these ways that just felt weird and it was like okay that we're feeling your desperation right whereas someone like Sydney who very well might have a lot of desperation given the fact that it's like more and more and more she's like constantly like doing something new which like could be a like tell to her feeling like desperate or unfulfilled or whatever I think it still ultimately feels very like easeful to watch her um accumulate more success so anyways so I think that um the desperation point as it relates to Charlie XCX is very true that we are always feeling her kind of desperation and her dissatisfaction with her current station and I think that's not a star girl vibe so she's a no for me Okay, the next one is Megan Fox. Okay. So Megan Fox is someone who I think once was a stargirl when she was more when there was more like rage against her, right? So this is like pre her like putting herself back in the public's eye, um, when she started dating Machine Gun Kelly, whatever, like a year and a half ago or whatever. She um Like, I think that then she was a star girl, right? She was someone who absolutely stood out for her look, for the roles that she took on, for her behavior in the public eye. Like, and she was someone who, like, women really didn't like right and there's kind of the obvious like well obviously you're just going to be really threatened by her because she her look represents like kind of I guess the male gaze in a very like uh simple way then like the obviousness of her hotness and the explicitness of her sexuality um just made her maligned and it didn't really matter what else the fuck she was doing you know I'm pretty sure she's only slept with like three people in her life but like that uh you know, it didn't matter that she wasn't actually on the ground promiscuous because she was so threatening because she, you know, put the idea of of sex on people's minds. Right. So I think anyway, so this is all to say I think at one at a time she was, you know. But I think like this whole recent history of her with machine gun Kelly and the Kourtney Kardashian and just like the way that she's been in the public eye where it's just like you know like I think it was like when they attended the VMAs and like whatever fall 2021 then it was like whoa like you know they're back on the map and this is like uh you know this is kind of shocking and then it was just like you know, the flexes got so phoned in and the public got so tired of them. And so I think that she has, like her reign ended and she tried to re-up it, but it would, have, you know, she could have been remembered as a star girl had she not like tried to do this whole second media tour or what, you know five eight years after her after her actual reign so I think to me this recent phase has been like her version of her telling her side of the story you know and this kind of clap back and I just don't think that's very poised or star girly either so yeah um okay so the next person is taylor swift um i think i talked about her in the last one i said taylor swift yes ultimately she has to be um and i think that there's so many things about her that actually just continue to really irritate people like she she Triggers such a hate love response in so many different arenas um, for like the entirety of her career that I think you know there's something about her that people can't help but hate and talk about and then on the other side really really passionately defend um, and so and and feel like uh, represented by right like um, kind of in in every era and so I think that she is different than a Beyonce or Rihanna if we decide to continue them consider them star girls because even though she is like as by the numbers like wildly popular if not more right like what is her like didn't she win something for like most something of all time I don't know whatever like I don't know how we want to like actually net out which of those three is like the most successful so so there's obviously a universal belovedness at play with Taylor Swift too but I think she is also really like hated at like there's more tension in her image and more feeling of her not deserving her spot that kind of like keeps this tension in her image no matter what um so i think that she is absolutely a star girl for that and part of it okay an interesting thing about her is that like she is kind of why not me you know like she has kind of like little pity parties all the time and then like I don't think okay here's what I'll say I don't think that she is very natural as a performer and part of that performance is like the way that she interacts with like the media or anytime she gives a speech or whatever but is a really talented artist right and so I think that that's part of the tension at play with her where it's like oh well we want someone who has this level of fame to also be able to like embody um. Yeah, I kind of just like do the duties of a star well, and she kind of does in a very like, you know, textbook like I'm really trying to do the right thing thing. But she doesn't have that natural ease that um that people would want of her. So yeah, but rather than that making her just kind of irrelevant, it actually just like in incites uh, anger. So anyways she's an interesting case but I do think she's a star girl um okay next person Lana Del Rey yes obviously I think that's really clear um it's interesting because I think like now like 2023 like everybody is kind of all on board with her whether or not they were like interested in her music from um you know all through all the different stages or have only recently gotten on board because of what she like maybe represents as like a check on like liberal orthodoxy and the art that follows downstream from that so anyways um I guess in some ways like she's kind of like a litmus test for like are you with it or are you not with it you know um but I do think she's a star girl because she continues to generate controversy just by everything that that she does so definitely for her um I mean, okay well the Kardashian Jenner is I think Kim is definitely a star girl I think Chris is a type of star girl for sure Kendall no chloe and courtney obviously not kylie maybe but i think that more people i think she's just actually really good at being a celebrity and there's not a ton of like frustration with her other than that people love to like talk about her um her plastic surgery because it's like so sort of so the most dramatic yeah and maybe just the maybe just the world, <laughs> like lack of comment or public like empathy or apology or whatever anyways um so okay that's that's the that's on them um another person who I think is definitely a star girl is Vanessa Hudgens so I'll leave that to you guys I think you can put those puzzle pieces together um okay Nicki Minaj yes she is a star girl she actually defined something that many people have followed in the steps of and I think she was just extremely controversial and remains extremely controversial so yeah okay so that's that's a short list to get us started and I think there could be an episode on any of them coming down the line (laughs) or if you guys want to talk about them like hit me up and we can we can try to make it work okay sweet okay the next Thing that I wanted to talk about is I wanted to follow up on the conversation I started last episode about like the the fuzzy space between art and editorial because I just wasn't I like didn't have my thoughts together, so I think I've thought about this and. I think I was trying to figure out like what actually is my issue with it, right? Because it's kind of it's easy to make this like highfalutin argument that's like, oh no, like all this stuff is converging, like advertisements are cloaked as art, but they're really just trying to sell or, sell us something. But like, and maybe that is like true, but that's not actually what is like putting me into this like state of like panic and bad feelings. Like I'm like I don't know if I really like care about like this being an instance of the downsides of capitalism or something right that like I don't know if I really mind being marketed to I don't really mind working just to be advertised to just to spend my money on something. So I have to work more like I don't know like I don't you know I don't have any like point of comparison I've never lived any other way like I think I'm like all in all like I feel pretty good I can like logically recognize like that not being the most ideal way to live, but it doesn't fill me with this, like, sense of, like, I don't know, rage against the government or something. Um. Anyways, it's, like, it's, like, rage against capitalism is, like, like, that is an abstraction to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't. that's not actually an emotion that I feel. Like, it's just something I'm, like, told is wrong, right? So I guess that's what I'll say about that. But, like, more what I care about is that, like, art – and advertisement and editorial all look the same and they're you know they're all mixed up and kind of you know arguably they all are the same thing in terms of both form and and function right and so one element that's frustrating about this is that like. Uh, or just like cringy about it is like that all editorial and advertisements are kind of trying to desperately capture and reflect internet culture and so one everything looks the same and two they're pretty bad at it so we get left with a bunch of just like really cringe images and copywriting like littered throughout our you know supposed to be beautiful surprising world so that's one piece of it the other thing is that All of this art, advertisements, editorial is like now downstream of pre-approved political and social mores rather than disruptive of it, right? And so, you know, for advertising, maybe it does need to be ethical in order to like be considered in good faith, right? Either the product has to be ethical or the manner in which it's selling it or the allusions to other ideas have to be, you know, ethical by, you know, whatever whoever is deciding what ethical is. But if art is functionally an advertisement, then we are like demanding the same ethics of it as well, right? So rather than allowing art to gesture towards something more abstract, more intense, more born out of an instinct that, you know, while, potentially evil is still a meaningful and complicated and interesting aspect of being alive we force it to just reflect these pre-approved political and social mores. so that's boring and that doesn't give us the space to express or feel like seen and excited and like excited by the things that we're seeing you know so um but yeah okay just to like run through that, <laughs> that train again so it's basically like okay I understand that if you're making money off of something it has to be ethical or some might say it has to be ethical in order to be you should have money made off of it right so advertisements that are selling something that feels um bad or that are uh alluding to ideas that feel bad I'm thinking of the Balenciaga mess from last fall um we would be like upset with that advertising because it's like you're selling me something evil, right? Or you're being provocative in order to sell me something that is wrong, right? But if but then like if we're ask if we're making those same ethical demands of art and we have such narrow parameters for what is considered ethical in mainstream liberal culture, then what actually gets made is just so 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 narrow, right? So we don't get to be surprised because anything that is signed off on has such narrow parameters of what is even being allowed, right? So um so maybe this has always been the case and this isn't like a phenomenon of the time that we're living in now. But I guess that doesn't really matter because we are alive now and we feel this urgency around this this narrowness and the sameness and this boringness. Um, and so that's why I'm like interested in people who can, as I've said before, like achieve maximum um impact which is like maximum rate plus maximum artistry at once so like <laughs> I'm like I need to add more people to this short list so it doesn't sound like so stupid but like the, the people that I've put in that category um previously were like Lena Dunham David Lynch Lil Wayne right so um and I think we could put many of these star girls who we've talked about in there too um but yeah so I respect anyone, basically, who is doing something that challenges the orthodoxy of the time without being a mascot for a specific reactionary group, um, all while m- maintaining, like, massive reach, right? So, um, yeah, I feel like Lana Del Rey is maybe close, but I think she is more on the edge of becoming, like, a mascot for a reactionary group. Um, I don't know. That's not necessarily her fault, but I feel like that's where the process is that B have, like have put her oh also um I should have said before but um congrats to Lana for the interview mag cover today where she's like the kind of the dead bride with the cigarette out of her mouth and yeah I mean it looks really good. But you know it's a type of it's a type of sameness. Like it was it was a beautiful image but I can't say I didn't see it coming, right? You know, when I first saw it I was like, oh did I think I've seen this before. Um. Anyways, but okay. All of that what I just explained about like what feels uh threatening about the convergence of art, advertisement, and editorial, at least in like look and feel, is that it like directly leads to this tutuness of the world that I was talking about. So I've come up with a succinct definition of the tutuness, since it was extremely vague last time around. Okay. The 2 is defined as something that is a caricature of the times rather than a disruptor of them. And so this is bad enough on its own, <laughs> but it's especially wicked when it either believes itself to be a disruptor when it is in fact a caricature or when the public somehow knights it as a disruptor when it is in fact a caricature, right? So when I was talking about Parade last week, like that is like a prime example where it's like, it's kind of like indefensible right it's like what am I even mad about but it's like i this is what I'm mad about it thinks of itself as a disruptor and a lot of people with power are saying it is a disruptor when in fact it's a caricature of the times in which we already live right like so that space is really just annoying to me and infuriating and makes me feel like I don't know it just makes me feel pissed off um anyways I was having a conversation with Michaela who I need to have on again because she's so insightful and principled and fun but um we were talking about uh just kind of this space with some examples that had come up during fashion week and um she was saying very smartly that to be actually subversive, something has to actually alienate people when it first comes out. And we were kind of talking about like, you know, meaningful alienation versus just like being needlessly provocative, which is very like thin and just like, you know, doesn't actually abraze anything. Um, You can just kind of dash it off. But like, A huge part of the power of something is its ability to challenge norms at the time that it comes out, whether or not it's marketing itself as transgressive, right? And so we, then Michaela and I were talking about girls and we were like, you know, it took some people almost a decade to figure it out, right? So um, this is something that when it first came out, it actually did meaningfully alienate people and it wasn't just because it was being needlessly provocative and it was actually challenging the norms of the time. Then the second layer of this is we were talking about like the tricky space of feeling kind of like pride and ego around like um, being into something when it or like being on board with something when it first comes out and then feeling like, you know, kind of nose up at the people who take 10 years to get around to it or whatever. <laughs> we were talking about Tinks and rewatching Girls Now and being like, okay – Well, you know, you don't get to be in the in crowd because you didn't figure it out for a decade, you know. Um, And so, you know, we were kind of talking about like this tricky space and like kind of being like, is it just snobbery that's us wanting to be recognized for like being ahead of the curve or something? And it's like uh, maybe like yes and, right? So yes, there's a little bit of like snobbery and ego that is just like – natural um that comes up with that but then also Michaela was saying like maybe that's just part of placing a really high value on art and that doesn't necessarily mean that you believe yourself to be you know superior to other people but that's just like a high value that you have on something in in your in your life and that that gets to be okay um that doesn't mean that you are a snob Um and you know and then she was she went on to say like it's really intellectually rewarding when you understand a piece of art's value in the more moment and it's even more rewarding when it can connect you to a group of people who sees its value in the moment as well right like that's a really exciting way of experiencing the world um and I don't, I just really agreed with that and wanted to share that with you all right like art at its best. Actually, has the power to create community by, you know, th- having someone throw a beautiful ball of fire out into the world and ask, "Does anybody hear me?" And then seeing who the fuck random people say, "Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down," right? And so I think that that uh, that process is one of the main things that's special, and it's like um, I don't know, it's worth it's worth letting yourself have, I guess. So yeah. Wanted to share that with you all. Um, okay, and then I also wanted to give you a couple more examples of the tutuness since I went all in on parade. Um, and yeah. So, and there's so many that come out of like the wing era, because I think like, yeah, just like millennial girl boss kitsch, like kind of like demeaning, like uh, I don't know, toys for women to like understand, to be like become empowered in the face of patriarchy. Like, there's just a lot of products like that, you know? So, like, Notorious RBG stuff. Like, Billy Razors, for some reason, is coming to mind. We already talked about, like, Think's period-proof underwear. The entire line of, like, hers thing. Hers and him. Wait, his? Him's? Like, whatever. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. So, anyways, you can think, like, that's, like, kind of, like, a near-recent example of um of the ness of that time. I think we're, like, in... A different era now, and so it's easier to have 2020 vision and be like, oh my god, look at all that tutuness. But now, you know, you just have to have a little bit more of an eagle eye. I absolutely think parade is one of them. And then I found the perfect example. On my walk home the other day, there's this huge billboard on Kent. It was for Laquan Smith for Cash by Cash Up. Every single part of this is the tutuness of this time. First of all, why is Cash App sponsoring cl- – or, I mean, not even why is. This is, like, this is the inevitability of everything. Like, of course, Cash App now ha- is, like, sponsoring this, this, this. <laughs> just go look it up. Like, I'll put, I'll put the link to it below. But, yeah, you'll just see it, and then it's like, okay, I hope it's immediately resonant. Um, okay, so that's – that's all the tutu Um, The other thing that I was going to say about like becoming a caricature while believing you're a disruptor or something, like this is a, this is something that can happen to people too. And it often is something that signals the end of a star girl's reign. So some examples, Grimes, like there is an inflection point at somewhere along the way where it was like, okay, you know, she seemed like this, like, uh, you know, kind of near like this like alien cyborgian like whatever and then she like got with Elon Musk and then it's like oh that's a little on the nose and then it's like everything that has come since then it's kind of like okay it's too far like now you're a character you're not you're no longer like uh inventing and disrupting a genre you are just like you know kind of hamster wheeling and like becoming a character and stalling out Julia Fox I absolutely think has become a caricature and she's you know I'm just shocked at how many outlets I mean it's probably just like an SEO play and like it gets a lot of clicks but like how many you know not respectable necessarily but like how many outlets that like I sometimes used to think had like were on the mark are still recycling like Julia Fox looked blah, blah, like, what are, like, turning heads, doing this, it's, like, this is all, like, none of this is shocking anymore, so, like, this, is, you know, she's absolutely not disrupting anything with what she's up to, she's not even disrupting her own image, she's just, like, doing that, you know, so let's stop thinking of it as disrupting, because it's just becoming a caricature. Azalea Banks, I think, as well, I think we talked about her, you know, I still think that she really believed in her messages, Um, but then she kind of just started like squawking, right? And so I think there was, again, an inflection point where she moved from like saying really aggressive, like, um, subversive things that she felt really principled in to just like mouthing off because that's what she was known for. So anyways, that's something we can think about. Okay. Um, Okay. The last thing is that, um, last week I went to a talk on Janet Malcolm, um, the cultural critic and yeah, she might be a star role, but anyways, um, she died in 2021. Um, but her last, um, book was just published. It's called still pictures. Um, it's kind of like a anti-autobiography autobiography, um, like through her kind of, uh, photography criticism um and talking about memory I have not read the whole thing I just I just started it the other day um but anyways the is not from there so it doesn't matter but um anyways at this talk I was reminded of this essay that uh feels very star girlsy and so um some of you may have read it it's called a girl of the zeitgeist and um it came out in the New Yorker in 1986 so it's a profile of this woman named Ingrid Sishi who was the um I mean she was a lot of things but for the purposes of this essay, she was the, had recently become the editor of Art Forum in 1979, and she was very young. She was only 27 at the time, and there was a lot of kind of, uh, you know, in-crowd controversy over her having, like, earned this position, not only because she was very young and kind of, like, represented, like, a, you know, uh, old guard, new guard kind of thing, um, but also because people just found her, like, very uncharismatic and therefore unfit to, like, um, you know, Im- embody the role of the editor of art forum. Um, so, um, Ingrid also went on to become the editor of interview. So just note that for, (laughs) for you all. Um, but yeah, it just reminded me that, uh, of like the endless history of star girls and kind of the circle of life and it all and the passing of the torch and that, um, you know, uh, although we've been talking about current people and largely current pop stars, um, like I've always said this, um, the, the phenomenon of a star girl and the way people react to a star girl is at play in every single circle, um, at every tier of culture, at every, like, uh, you know, size of your sphere of influence. There are always star girls around. And... Um, seems like Ingrid may have been one of them anyways um but the, yeah the book or excuse me the essay like I said is um kind of about you know Janet Malcolm as well as uh, you know other people in Ingrid's sphere just kind of being unimpressed because she wasn't like as uh sparkly as um people would have wanted her to be um so the yeah anyways I'll read a couple of quotes but um <laughs> so at the it kind of opens with Malcolm interviewing Rosalind Krauss, who had formerly been an editor at Artforum, not the head editor, but like an associate editor or something. Um, and she's talking about like why she just doesn't find Ingrid very compelling. And, and Janet Malcolm asks her like what she thinks about like the present iteration of Artforum, and she says I'm just not interested in it. Ingrid's sensibility just doesn't interest me. And so I think that there's so much captured there, like when we're, when we're talking about all these different women and. Um, like, when I'm giving my opinion, like, it's it's still worth the exercise of trying to figure out, like, what it is, um, you know, logically or not that, like, doesn't sit right with you about someone. But sometimes it just comes down to, as Rosalind Krauss said, their sensibility just doesn't interest me. And so I think that it's just, uh, I don't know, there's some brevity to that and also some, like, deep truth and just being like, yeah, not my type of chick, you know, so... <laughs> Um I wanted to call that out. Um yeah, and then oh, I guess I don't even know if I really want to get into this again, but since I talked about the whole um art and editorial thing, there was something in this essay that felt similar. Um they're discussing like kind of um the 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 blurring of highbrow lowbrow like pop culture high art and like criticism that's allowed for both of them um so i whatever i'll read this um so this is someone else talking about her she says um of ingrid uh she is very interested in popular culture i remember one conversation i had with her and some fairly glamorous people when she was telling us about the tragedy of an extremely popular pop singer the one who wears a glove His tragedy was the built-in supersedence of his prestige by another extremely popular pop singer named Prince, and it was simply impossible for me to think of that as even remotely entering the sphere of tragedy. She was reading tragedy in connection with some issues in popular culture, and I was reading it in terms of, you know, hubris, nemesis, the idle cruelty of the gods. What was nice about the conversation was that on some level Ingrid was closer to what the conversation was really about than I was with my high-flown stuff. When I first met Ingrid, I was struck by how young she was and how she wasn't convinced. Pretty. She didn't look like Gloria Steinem. Anyways, that's just one. It's a very long essay, so there's, uh, it's actually like a two parter, but, um, there's a lot in here where they're kind of like discussing this you know how they feel like the the youth is like ushering in this um this blurring as i said of highbrow lowbrow and just like uh, kind of uncomfortability with that and feeling like you know art is there's another quote where they say like art today is an aspect of decor of entertainment it's like gourmet food right and so that there's this kind of loss of like intellectualism and like meaningful ideas inherent in kind of uh looking to pop culture for like you know as that quote i said like something about like nemesis and myth and gods and everything um so i don't know if i really have a point there but it was just uh i remember that i really liked that essay when i had first read it years ago and then on reread i was like oh a lot of these themes are like relevant to star girl so um i'll link it and you guys can uh can look into it if you are so inclined um Um, okay. Okay. That's like all I have. Um, but I do have, um, just a, like, handful of people that I have been preoccupied with of late um, and I wanted to I don't know I wanted to like get their names in the mix Um, like I don't really know like I don't have an order planned of when I'll talk about each of them next but um, just like as an invitation if there are people that you have ideas about that you want to send in or people that you don't know that like you want to just like look into so that like (laughs) you have a little context for them once once we get to them but um, is Gabriette Sarah fucking Snyder, (laughs) Nellie Diamond, Molly Young, Lauren Kansky. I would highly doubt that any of you know who she is, but she's this, um, uh, like, you know, former Equinox personal trainer and she's, like, just, like, a fitness guru now and she is, um, whatever. She stands out in the, like, fitness, uh, thought leadership (laughs) community. So look her up if you'd like. Um, Killer and a Sweet Thing, Eileen Kelly, um, It Splits, um, Oh, okay, and then to go back in time, Mary McCarthy and um, and Willa Cather. <laughs> we'll get to them at some point. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, more as well, but that's a, that's a short list of people that have been on my mind. So anyways, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And thank you for listening. And um, yeah, just continue to get in touch. And if you're in New York, hit me up. Like, <laughs> I'd love to find out what you're working on, what you're thinking about. I have this friend. Kristen lynch who always says come play in my world and so i'm gonna borrow that from her get in touch and yeah come play in my world so talk to you guys later and yeah bye